Live from the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Happy Monday evening. Welcome to the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. Bill, are you relaxed now? Not at all, actually. Not at all? <laughs> I mean, you've been sitting over there for a whole four seconds. Right, like, I know. Literally, I clicked the intro button, music button, and then you came running in the room. <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah. been a mad dash. Yeah, yeah, but you made it. That's what, I that's did, what I know, that's what matters. That's all that matters, is that we promise them consistency, and you... Risk your I'm life here. to be here, exactly. and you're here. Exactly. I think Nobody I, died in the... Pr- <laughs> I think I heard you fall down the stairs getting down. Yeah, it was close. It was close. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Bill? How's I'm doing good. You, you, we're, we're here in our sanctuary, so you yes. can relax now. I know, I know. It's, it's This is the bell tower. It's time to, to be bellacious. <laughs> bellacious. That's a new one. <laughs> yes. How's everybody doing out there? Once again, obviously, if you're listening right now, we are live streaming. Um, once again, just like every single Monday night at 7... Central Standard Time. We we'd yes. like to do. Um, we got a special show going on tonight. Yeah, we have the pleasure of. I've been trying to get him on the show for for a couple months now. The pleasure of having the co-host of the Muddied Waters of Freedom podcast. I had I had to think about that one okay. from Muddied yeah. Waters uh, Media. Um, his name is Matt Wright. He is the co-host with um, none other than Spike Cohen. The the vice presidential libertarian candidate that we interviewed on the show months ago during the mm-hmm. presidential election. So now we have the other side of the the coin joining us on the show yes. with with Matt Wright or Mr. Wright. He, you think his uh, girl likes him calling himself? Do you think he calls himself Mr. Mr. Wright, Wright to his girl? Um, I would. I, I, he probably does, but it probably doesn't go over well. <laughs> no, you don't think so? <laughs> so, so we're going to get him on here in just a couple minutes. Um, he's going to plead the case for libertarianism with us because like we've said many times we lean libertarian but we're not like self-professing libertarians right so um we thought we'd have one on to um kind of dumb it down for us we can ask some questions we can um address some of the criticisms of libertarianism Mm -hmm. and all the stuff in between and anything else we can talk about there's also another topic that i've been um seeing uh, trending all over uh the social medias in certain pockets, not all over, I guess, just okay. in certain pockets of social media. Um, <clears throat> and that's this weird, like, anti-landlord movement that's going on. So I wanted to get his opinions on that, too, being being the libertarian that he is. Is, what, is that movement primarily coming from the libertarian side? Um, it's coming from, specifically, I've been seeing it in um, the Vermin Supreme camp, which uh, is okay. where... Um, Spike came out of the was originally running with Vermin Supreme, right? And then Spike started like ended up on Joe Jorgensen's campaign, mm-hmm. so it kind of roughly like in a long way ties back to Matt. Okay. So okay. I thought I I thought I'd get his um, libertarian standpoint on landlords okay. and and see see what he has to say about that. If he okay. hates landlords as much as these people do, or if yeah. he thinks it's that they're a necessity for the 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 economy in the country. So, okay. Okay. so we got a couple things to talk about with him. See, we'll see how far we get. Um, see how um, long winded we are, and he is. And um, okay. hopefully, we get time to take some some call ins too. Yeah, that'd be nice. So, um, before we get there, obviously, we got to mention that this show is once again brought to you by the Coffee Fix of Freedom, which is Run Your Mouth Coffee. 
coffee company that supports free speech. We support free speech. We like coffee. We love coffee. We support Run Your Mouth Coffee. Go to rymcoffee.com and pick up your order. Tell them we sent you with the uh, promo code BREAKTHEBELL, all one word, and um, you'll get 10% off your discount, or 10% off your order, 10% right. discount off right. your order, and free shipping. So do that. Support freedom. Support coffee. Support small businesses. And enjoy it. It's um, the best of America it right is. there. I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, if if you didn't have coffee, you want to actually have freedom. So <laughs> drink the coffee. This show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for coffee. You could attest to that. This yes, show would not exist. This is true. Not there exist would be there no, no break the bell without there would coffee. Not. So uh, make sure you check them out. That's rymcoffee.com. Again, promo code break the bell. That's it. All right, I like it. Otherwise, um, I know Matt is already waiting for us. So, oh, okay. So before we get into our intro, make sure you check us out all over social media. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook forum where you can just get into conversation with us and see some of the shit posting we do. Um, that is the Break the Bell Forum. So look that up on Facebook. We're on MeWe. We're on Parlor, but I haven't been able to log into my account for months, so I don't even know if it, it works anymore. Okay. Um, and, yeah, all over social media, I guess. So check us out. Like it. Subscribe. Share. All that fun stuff. Um, share it around with all your friends. Get more and more people in these live streams so we can do bigger and better things. I think that about covers it. Let's do it. You want to get into this conversation, Mr. Wright? I, I do. I really do. All right. We're going to kick off this intro, and then when we come back, we will be here with Matt Wright of Muddy Waters Media. We'll be right back in just a second. What did you say? You talking to me? What, what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are graced with the appearance of Matt Wright from Muddied Waters Media, the Muddied Waters of Freedom podcast. Hang on just a second, Matt. Let me get you pulled up here. I have a hard time with my buttons. Hey, went button stick. Oh, and I just lost my music. But that's all right. How's it going, Matt? Hey. I'm doing fit. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing really good. I've been trying to get you on our show for probably two or three months, but... Um, you've had other obligations. Apparently you're busy with your own podcast and your own kids and all that fun stuff. So, um, before I, I get too far into this, you can't see him, but this is my co-host Bill. You've never, I don't think you've talked to him no. much. Hey, my, Matt. Hey, what's going on, Bill? How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? 
I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad we finally made it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, like, like I said, um, things get busy, obviously, with your own show, your own uh, media program that you guys got going on over there. Um, it, it's good to finally get some of the stuff worked out where we can get you on and um, have this this freaking discussion here. Um, the reason why I threw Bill in there really quick is because sometimes I will talk so much and our guests will not even know Bill is there for like 10 <laughs> minutes. And then they'll be like, oh, there's another guy back there. So they'll hear a question. They'll be like, wait, would, where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was watching the pre-show on YouTube, so I knew there was somebody else with you. <laughs> All right, good, good. I'm, I'm, glad, um, I'm glad you made that connection. So, Matt, uh, you are the co-host, like I said, of Muddied Waters of Freedom. Is that the name of your show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, co-host of Muddied Waters of Freedom and the host of the Writer's Block. That's right. That's both a- of those are on my... And both of those are on Muddied Waters Media. Okay, perfect. Um, and you can find that all over social media at Muddied Waters Media. You can find all their episodes and stuff. Um, your co- co-host is Spike Cohen, who we've had on, which I did an interview back when he was on his campaign trail there. So we did like a, had him on the show for about 20 minutes was all. So um, we've made that connection. And then now we have the other side of the coin, which is you. The guy on the left is what you call yourself um, because... You said on the left. Which, I can relate. Which is ironic to me because your last name is your last name is right. <laughs> yeah, that so that nickname came. We were doing a show one time, and it was one of my favorite shows that we ever did. And somebody um that was watching on YouTube that had never watched our show before, he was in the comments and he was saying things like he was like, yo, these guys are funny. And obviously he had never watched us before because he just kept saying these guys. I don't know who, you know, like, I don't know who these guys are, but they're hilarious. <laughs> and um, in one of his comments, he said, yo, guy on right, stop talking. Guy on left is funnier than you, which is my <laughs> favorite comment that has ever been made. And then he just kept referring to us as guy on right and guy on left. So it's just stuck and- ever since. <laughs> Yeah, it's just stuck after that. And I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> I sit on the left. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, who cares? Um, we had mentioned in the, pre, the pre-show, the pre and I, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, how does your girl feel when you call yourself Mr. Right? So, I mean, it, it, it works on so many different levels. One, you know, my last name's Wright. Uh, but my initials are actually MR. So I am literally Mr. Right in every <laughs> single way. Um, and I feel like she would agree that I am, I'm, a, I'm Mr. Right for her. And that is how I spend that because of course. Uh, I have never been Mr. Right for anybody, but I am Mr. Right for her. I guess that's the safe answer. I guess she's probably going to watch this and she's like, yeah, you. He's you, watching it right now. I can hear it from <laughs> out there. Perfect, um, Matt. Tell us a little bit about you, about your show, um, how you came to libertarianism, I guess, or how you came into podcasting. Just, just tell us a little bit, bit about you, like a brief rundown of Matt Wright. Yeah, so I grew up in the D.C. area, and I was really big into politics. Um, I was hardcore staunch. Republican. Uh, If the Republicans were doing it, I was in. Um, But I, and I grew up uh, being a huge Rush Limbaugh fan. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but right here on the wall Mm -hmm. is actually an autographed picture of Rush Limbaugh made out to me. Oh, wow. Um, 
that my uncle, he was a, he still is, uh, an editorial cartoonist. And he got to meet like George Bush Sr. and Reagan and uh, like these massive Republican mm -hmm. figures. And it kind of helped guide me in my, in the way that I viewed things politically. And then I started listening to Rush and I was like, man, I really want to do this one day. Mm -hmm. um, and I figured I'd be a member of like the Republican Party and like, move through the ranks that way. And then I got arrested for uh, possession of marijuana. And I was like, well, why is this a law? And many of the Republicans were like, well, you know, it's about the culture of America. And, you know, people out there smoking pot is bad for America's culture. And I said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> and so it kind of like, it kind of started there. Like I was a Republican who liked to smoke pot and I just kind of, as... Is, is that where every libertarian right? starts? <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's every start of it's libertarian is, I'm kind of right-leaning, but I kind of like pot a little bit. <laughs> I kind of like pot. I ended up liking a lot more than just pot. Um, that's fair. Which, it's funny, because I'm sober now. Like, yep. I've been sober for, like, uh, coming up on seven years. Oh, congratulations. And, thank you. Um, but I'm still a... I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I don't do it, but I'm like, that's not, it doesn't work for me because right. I can't handle it. If you can handle it, you should be able to do whatever you want. I, as long as you don't steal from anybody else or hurt anybody else, like, mm -hmm. go ahead, do your thing. Right. Um, but that was kind of how that started. I was working at, when I first quit drinking, I was working at a Kava bar. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, that's what mud water is. That's where our name comes from. Muddied waters. It comes okay. from Kava. Oh, okay. Um, I was working at a Kava bar and this guy that was there said, Hey, we should do a podcast together. Cause you know, we're both libertarians. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that sounds awful. Um, and he wore me down and he and I started muddied waters of freedom together. He ended up leaving the show about a year in um, year and a half in somewhere in there. And that's when spike came in and uh, we started doing it together. And since then it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride and it has been so much fun and we've been just having a blast. Oh yeah. How yeah. long have you been doing it now? Five years. Five years. Wow. wow. Five wow. years. We started, we started December 4th of 2016. Okay. Wow. That's, I mean, that's uh, a good amount of time space having been podcasting. That's like, right. um, that's like almost veteran status status <laughs> at this point. So, <laughs> so, that's, that's doing pretty good. Um, I don't know. Do you uh, do you ever find yourself like being like considered Spike's co-host? Because obviously, with his campaign oh, and stuff, time. he's out out front of everything. And I I tried not to introduce you as, hey, this is the guy that sits next to Spike. Um, <laughs> obviously, p our our listeners are familiar with Spike because we've had him on, so that's right. how I made the connection. But um, I I'm sure you get that a lot. Oh yeah, you're the guy with Spike. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I get that. I get that often. And um, at the beginning, I was the other guy's co-host. I was the former co-host, the form, the guy that started with me. Mm -hmm. I was his co-host. Everybody mm -hmm. was like, oh yeah, you're uh, Mo's co-host. And I was like, yeah, I didn't care. I like, I knew that I was, cause he was the bigger name in uh, the Liberty movement at the time. Yeah, And so I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm the co-host. That's fine. And that was just the, the part that I was playing. 
Um, and then once Spike came on, we were both equal. And then he got the nomination and people started checking us out because of that. And people started seeing that, you know, they'd start referring to me as Spike's co-host. Yeah. And I never cared because I started it. I was the founder. I was the creator. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay playing second fiddle on the air, but like uh, everything that we do, we do together when sure. it comes to muddied waters. Plus, you're the funnier guy. So obviously. Thank, right, right. Exactly. That <laughs> yeah. one guy on YouTube thinks it. So it's true. <laughs> that must be true then. So absolutely. Um, yeah, I I I'm sure you're just like, you know what? We're we're reaching people, so who who really gives a shit what what you call me? Right. <laughs> so um, right, yeah. And as long as I'm spreading the word of liberty, um, you know, like an, a televangelist, um, <laughs> a podcast evangelist. Um, as long as I'm spreading liberty and getting people to kind of see that a lot of the stuff that they've been defending for so long is actually pretty authoritarian, but mm -hmm. they just haven't recognized it that mm -hmm. way. Um, the you know, changing minds one person at a time. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't care what you call me. No, uh, <laughs> you guys are doing good from what I've seen. Your, your shows are excellent. So um, it is interesting to me that you said that you got like a spark for this from listening to Rush Limbaugh being a huge Rush, Rush Limbaugh fan. I've said for um, ever, for the amount of time that I've done this show, that I initially. Um, years ago was a huge uh, Michael Savage fan, and I listened to him yeah. regularly, like every single night, because I work third shift, so I listened to a show on the way to work, and then when I worked second shift, I'd listen to him on the way home. So um, I always had this thing in me, I'm just like, man, it'd be really fun to do a talk radio show, but I'm just like, I, there's no way I would ever do anything like that, nothing possible. And then this whole concept of podcasting came around, and, and finally I, I was just like, well, I, I kind of co-hosted with my brother um, for a little bit, and then um, that didn't work out. Our schedules didn't work out. So finally, I was like, you know, I just want to freaking do something. So um, me and Bill had been talking. Just We just do this stuff on a normal basis. We just talk about shit and bullshit right. and dialogue yeah. back and forth on a regular basis. So we're like, you know, we might as well hit a record button on this and like start a podcast. And yeah. so... Um, my spark came from talk radio too, so that's interesting. Yeah, that you said my, mine was Glenn Beck. Yeah, so I like okay. listening to Glenn Beck. So yeah, so we're we're both we both kind of come from the same background where we came from a more further right. I was yeah. definitely raised evangelical Christian, George Bush loving. Um, oh yeah, nine yeah. eleven supporting. Um, Republican, so well, not really nine eleven supporting, not, not supporting. <laughs> well, <laughs> well <laughs> but the like fighting the wars and um, fighting for our, uh, they yep. hate us because they hate our freedom yeah. type sentiments, and then at some point we kind of I started realizing that all politics are bullshit, and I became what I what I called myself a uh, political agnostic, where they're all full of shit to me. Like mm -hmm. nobody has their best interests at hand. And then my brother became a staunch libertarian and started just throwing just all this social media posts at me. And at first, I'm just like, this is this stuff's bullshit, first of all. This is just straight bullshit and nonsense. And then the more I kind of looked into it and stuff, the more I'm just like, you know, I kind of am more libertarian-leaning than I'd like to say. I'm, I'm still not to the point where I subscribe to the Libertarian Party, but I am definitely, like, my values line up with libertarian values. And I think yeah. you've kind of... Well, yeah, I ended up in the same boat. Yeah, so my <clears throat> my family's very uh very military. My dad is uh you know th was a thirty year veteran, 
and then you know his dad before him and and so on and so forth and so having that coming from a military family yeah it was all go right go right go right and then uh when i moved out of the house i went straight left <laughs> because i was like fuck that stick it to your dad <laughs> yeah basically right. but then after 911 i came back around i was like oh shit you know and so i was like all about gw and all that stuff but then all of a sudden as the more i looked into stuff i'm like yeah this doesn't line up either and so then, you know, I just started going more and more away from the Republican Party. And then when Trump ran, I was like, no, there's no way I can pull a lever for him. And so I <laughs> <laughs> I jumped ship. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess while we're here, since since we ended up here, I I had you on and I, I asked you, I'm like, you know anything you want to talk about? You're like, I have no idea. What do you want to talk about? And so <laughs> <That's>, I, <laughs> What, what's funny is that's how most of our shows go too yeah i'm like spike what do you want to talk about it's like i don't know what do you want to talk about i'm like i don't know i'll just go find four <laughs> articles really quick yep. yep that's pretty much what we do but um i i got this thought just based on what we were just now talking about it's like well we're neither one of us are really hard in the libertarian party camp i guess so maybe have you on to Sell us on libertarianism. Sell us on, or sell our listeners, I guess, because I know we have a lot of really, because I, I have a military background. I was in the Marines, and I have some listeners that are really right-leaning, and I'll see some of their posts, and I'm just like, eh, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. And so um, maybe just sell libertarianism to us. Like, break it down, Barney style. Do you, sure. do you do people still say Barney style? I don't think so. Do people even I understand what... very mid-90s. Do people understand what <laughs> Barney style even means? Yeah, I know I you know. do, Matt. You you you're familiar with Barney. Break it down Barney style with us. What is libertarianism? <laughs> but no singing. <laughs> you, you said break it down Barney style, and immediately I thought how I met your mother, and I was like, you want me to hit on you creepily? I'm, all right. I mean, you might as well. <laughs> Let me stare deeply into your eyes and it's tell you how worked attractive once you or are. twice. I I mean, uh, if that's if that sells me on libertarianism, <laughs> so libertarianism is basically. It, Basically, to break it down to the smallest, to the smallest uh, possible way that I can, is uh, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you are doing, um, whether you're a drinker, whether you uh, smoke weed, whether you want to own uh, ARs or AKs or fully autos or uh, not fully autos, whatever you want. If you want a, a fleet of flamethrowers at your house, that's totally fine. Yeah, me too. Like, that'd be great. Like, I want to put claymores out in fr- my front yard. Yes. Um, but as as long as what you are doing isn't hurting somebody else, um, the most basic tenets of libertarianism is pr- uh, personal and private property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as you are not hurting somebody's personal property or private property, you, you can do pretty much whatever you want. Um for lack of for just making it in the most basic of terms sure so you know you're not stealing from anybody you're not uh devaluing somebody's property you're not breaking anybody's property you're not uh polluting the waters that would destroy somebody's property um or destroy their person destroy their person um these are the tenets of libertarianism the way that i see it uh and in which in which that means we can uh all kind of live happily together and i'm gonna let you do whatever you want on your side of the fence as long as whatever it is that you're doing isn't catching my house on fire or lowering the property value Mm -hmm. or uh you know hurting me in some way Mm -hmm. and basically it's just leave leave me the hell alone and i'll leave you the hell alone when i first moved into the house that i'm in now 
my next door neighbor, um, he, uh, he came up while we were still moving stuff in and he's like, Hey, he's like this somewhere between the ages of 60 and 90. I can't tell. Um, but he was like, sometimes, uh, me and my buddies sit out here and drink beer and we get a little loud and rowdy until late at night. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And he goes, just, uh, if we're ever too loud, just let us know and we'll, you know, tone it down. Uh, just please don't call the cops on us. And I said, I will never call the cops on you unless you ever call them on me. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, that is fair. I, I, I completely support not calling the cops on your neighbors. I don't see a reason for it. Even if there's a fight going out on outside, I'll go break up the fight myself or yeah. kick your ass myself or get my ass kicked. One of the two, but I'm not going right. to call the cops unless nope. you're an immediate threat to my family or something like that. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the way I see it. And you know, that leads down to, you know, stealing, you know, stealing money from people, uh, stealing money from people, stealing property from people, which these are things that the government does, you know, mm -hmm. taxation is theft, which you've heard before, yes. um, and eminent domain where the government will come in and offer you a fair value for your property. Um, that's them stealing your stuff. And mm -hmm. that is stuff that we are just not okay with. And, uh, civil asset forfeiture is a big one for us. Um, where police will come and be like, we need to take all of this stuff because it may have been connected with a crime and then you never get it back even when you've been found innocent. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, right. And these are the things that we believe in uh, that you as an individual are responsible for you, your property, and your and your general family, like taking care of your family, like that is not the responsibility of your neighbor. That is not the responsibility of the government. That is not the responsibility of anybody else. You need to be able to do that, and you need to be able to be self aware to know when you are ready for it. Self responsibility and personal personal accountability. So, I, ideally, um, in a in libertarian uh, view, what would be the role of government? So minimal at the very, at the very, it, it depends because libertarianism covers a wide spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, and you have your minarchists who are, they want the federal government to go back to what the constitution was or uh, to the articles of confederation mm -hmm. um, or, you know, somewhere in that range. Uh, and then a tapered down state government. So nothing like California, more like here in Florida. Um, and then, you know, potentially your city and local government kind of things. Mm -hmm. Then there are others, other minarchists who are just like, just give me city governments. You know, I don't even want a state government. I don't want a federal government. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of depends on the libertarian in that. Okay. Um, but the government that has the least amount of power is for any libertarian, no matter anarchist to minarchist to constitutionalist, um, the government with the least amount of power is the government that all libertarians want. Um, I personally am much more anarchist now than I was when I got into libertarianism. Okay. And I don't think any government can be good because all of it, all of it will eventually have power grabs for more power, mm -hmm. which then takes that power out of the hand of the individual. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who wants to be self-reliant and self-responsible, I don't want the government taking that from me. Mm -hmm. So then you, you talked about like some of the example examples you gave was like, don't, don't steal from me. Don't hurt me or don't like devalue my property. Um, how right. do you, how do you go about um, enforcing? I, I, 
with lack of better terms, enforcing that without a regulatory body like the government. Right. And that's where that's where I'm mostly anarchist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's the part that's the part that that's I the have gray area. Right. Yeah. That's the gray area. Um but uh that would be where like you have your civil your civil courts mm-hmm. that are agreed upon by the people like uh arbiters or mediar mm-hmm. mediaries. So you think more like pri- privatized courts or um, yeah. yeah, I think more privatized courts. I think privatized uh, police, privatized courts, privatized police. I think all of those would work better than the systems that we have mm-hmm. now. Well, you always get the argument with like privatized police or privatized courts, and it's just like, how do you keep them from um, becoming corrupt and blah blah blah? And it's like, it, the, how do you how do you keep the court now or the police <laughs> right. now from becoming corrupt? That's what I was gonna say. It's like the the courts and the police now are just as corrupt, probably more corrupt right. than you're gonna get with privatized police yeah. because with a privatized police, um, just like any um, organization in a capitalist society, you can just fire them and you don't have to go through this bullshit political process to of right. hiring and right. stuff. You just fire them and hire new ones that you like better. Exactly, because like right now, police are protected by qualified immunity and police unions, mm-hmm. and that is a major issue that you have. Like with uh, uh, the George Floyd trial and Derek Chauvin, um, Derek Chauvin was going for qualified immunity and he didn't get it. Um, and you see qualified immunity coming up a lot. And mm-hmm. qualified immunity, a lot of people don't know, is isn't just for police. It is for any government official and it includes university presidents. Hmm. Uh, if a, if the university takes money from the state, they are included in qualified immunity. And really? I believe that came around right around the Kent state shooting time. Oh, wow. Um, and if you had privatized police, you wouldn't have qualified immunity. You wouldn't have police unions protecting bad police officers. Um, you would be able to just fire a police officer when he did something that, you know, many people in the community thought was abhorrent. Right. You'd just be able to like, well, you're fired. And he'd be like, but I feel like I was in the right because I was doing it. Well, no, sorry. Like they all want you fired and they pay your, they pay your bills. So yeah. now you're gone, go find a different job. Um, and you're also they're going to have to deal with the repercussions of your actions while wearing the uniform. Right. No, so, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I like the ability to be able to just terminate somebody who's not doing their job rather, rather than going through all this political mm-hmm. stuff, rather than going through fight, like jumping through hoops to get somebody held accountable for what they're doing. And in the end, when it comes down to qualified immunity, even when there's like civil, civil trials that, come against the police force who fronts that bill when it comes down to a civil lawsuit it's the taxpayers taxpayer. that come back and, and right. front that it's not the the person that committed it it's not the responsible um the body of the police force or the government body right. it, it's us that in the end fronts that bill yep and that's one of the, that's one of the other things is people are like well what if uh police had to get um uh, liability insurance um, they had to get liability insurance. So that way, if something happened, the, the responsibility wouldn't fall on the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Well, that responsibility would still fall on the taxpayers because the police unions would just work it into the contract that the city would have to pay for it. Right. And the liability insurance providers would make it so astronomical that you're still paying it, except you, they just may never get paid out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're so probably it could just end up costing more. your area more. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, 
You got anything else about that? So, uh, would you, are you behind the um, the defund the police movement? Uh, I am. So I'm behind defund. I'm behind getting rid of police unions. Mm-hmm. Um, at this stage, I am behind getting rid of police unions, getting rid of qualified immunity. Yeah. Um, I still think that there are times that police is police uh, forces are doing good i don't think that all police are bad Mm. um i think that police who keep quiet are doing just as equally bad as the police who do something that do something wrong um i'm not behind the defund the police movement completely Mm. uh i think that we need to cut back on police unions and we need to cut uh stop the militarization of the police forces yeah um and make it more of make it more of a system where they can get in trouble if they screw up because that right. will make them second guess what they are doing before they do it. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I'm going to keep things going. I, I have, I mean, we can talk about concepts as we go, but I also have sure. some criticisms of li- the Libertarian Party, which I'm sure you've heard all of them. Um, I just kind of uh, went and did some research, looked at some of the, the most basic criticisms of the libertarian movement because okay. there's plenty of it. So you can get into right. like the concepts of it as we're talking, like addressing some of these criticisms. Um, the first one, obviously, everyone brings up is what about the roads? What about the roads, Matt? <laughs> so the roads, um, well, before there was a federal income tax in 1913, mm-hmm. uh, the roads were being built. Uh, and they're being built by private companies that were paid for by people of neighborhoods who wanted roads or they're <laughs> built by, you know, businesses that wanted people to come to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel as though we could probably go back to that pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to go toward, if you wanted to look at a uh, interstate, interstate highways, uh, yeah, interstate highway system, mm-hmm. then you could do that by uh, by doing toll roads, and anybody using it would have to pay in order to use it, in order to do upkeep on it. But mm-hmm. it would all be run by a private firm, um, and people will obviously say, "Well, what about corruption inside that private firm? What about corruption in the U.S. government? Do you think that I feel as though the private firm would be able to handle these systems mm-hmm. much better than the federal government, more more efficiently, more uh, uh, frugally, and?" just all around in a better way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Armageddon? Do you guys remember the movie Armageddon? It's been a long oh, yeah. time, but yeah, I remember. Bruce Willis, right, yeah, it, Ben Affleck. It's, right. Uh, <laughs> Steve Buscemi has a line in that movie, you know, that really brilliant movie that they sent oil drillers um, <laughs> yes. into in space instead of teaching astronauts how to drill. Way of the future. Because um, that made sense. Oh, yeah. For absolutely. some reason. Um, but he said... Do you understand that you are sitting on 32 tons of steel and jet fuel uh, being run by a nuclear reactor? I don't remember the exact line uh, that was bid out to the lowest bidder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, I mean, I saw it in the military all the time. Yeah, they they the military actually trained people to build roads on military bases, but they would bid out the road work on the military bases to the lowest bidders. Right. And the roads sucked ass, right. even though it was governmently government sponsored road systems. Yeah. Yep. 
And with the government in general, you have like the issue of the, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like the $32,000 coffee cup for the Navy or whatever right. it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, and the, uh, the bolts that cost like $400 a piece and you right. can pick them up for 49 cents at, yeah, at Home I mean, Depot. That is not even an overstatement on your part. Like I was responsible. Like I, um, was a communication system tech and most of our stuff was um at that point because we were in during a big push like a big like war push so there was all this funding coming in so all of the stuff was covered under warranty so they were paying these big high dollars for these warranties and when we did actually get to replace things on systems I was responsible at one point for going and ordering parts for these systems, and I would go online and find like the lowest cost and stuff. And they're like, "No, that's not a that's not an authorized uh, dealer." And then you go find right. one of their authorized dealers, and it's like five times the amount that yeah. you find on another site. And it's just like you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, right. Because they that's lobbyists mm. lobby for contracts for these different dealers. Uh, for these different suppliers, different dealers, whatever you want to call them. And uh, they then, once they get the government contract and it's locked in for however many years, mm -hmm. they're like, okay, well, now we can just jack everything up because the oh, yeah. government's going to pay for it and they have to go through us. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, you see that with like uh, student loans, you know, at universities. Oh. I mean, they jack up their prices all the time, you know, because they know the government's going to cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, go. so on student loans, um, the biggest issue that you had was you guaranteed student loans to everybody across the country. Well, right. that's the, one of the biggest issues. And it was just like, no, everybody needs a college education. It shouldn't matter on credit score or uh, financial history or anything like that. Uh, everybody deserves a college education. So we are going to guarantee these loans mm -hmm. and okay, sure. Um, that's cool because not everybody wants to go to college. So maybe not everybody's going to sign up. Um, and then you had a lot of people signing up to go to college. They got the loans and then, uh, they declared bankruptcy because, uh, they couldn't pay the loans back mm -hmm. up until the early two thousands. I think it was 2003. I don't remember the exact date when, uh, Joe Biden helped, uh, broker a deal that made it where you couldn't claim your, uh, student loans on bankruptcies anymore. And now he's out there saying, oh, we're going to get rid of student loan debt. The student <laughs> loan debt wouldn't be so bad if you would have let people claim them on bankruptcies right. 20 years ago right. right sounds similar to the 2008 housing bubble like you're just giving shit loans out to whoever you want mm -hmm. to no matter what right. they can afford um I, I never even really put two and two together with student loans yeah they they literally give yeah. what hundreds of thousands of dollars to kids that oh, have yeah. never held a job in I their mean, life you, you saw the the right. what, occupy um wall street kids you know they're like oh, i got eighty five thousand dollars in debt and and all i can do is get a job at starbucks and it's like yep. well, why in russian literature it's like <laughs> and and that's like because of the student loan because the Schools know student loans are going to be guaranteed by the government that you can't declare them on bankruptcies and they're going to be covered. Um, you know, they offer your, they offer, um, you know, the, the majors and I'm trying to think of the most out there one underwater basket weaving, you know, like is the kind of go-to uh, major in underwater basket weaving, which has no financial benefit once you get out of school but now you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt and what are you supposed yeah. to do with that right you know and so yeah you're working at starbucks with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and they're like well no you gotta pay it sorry yeah 
Right. You yep. should have made better choices right. when you were 18. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. When, when we loaned you this um, infinite amount of money, right. uh, you should have known at that point before you had your college education and went to f- financial classes because they don't teach finances in high no. school. Um, so you should have known that before you took any of these courses that they teach you in the college that you borrowed all that money to go to. You should have yep. known that. Yeah. I, it's, I, like, it's like, why do they recruit and why do they recruit for the military in high schools? It's because once you hit 25, you're not going to join. Right. Uh, well, I joined at 24, actually. So <laughs> Did you? I, I was almost there, but I was also. I signed, I signed up at 17. Yeah. And because I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to get my college paid for this way. And mm-hmm. then I realized I hated taking orders. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, the the further along you get in the military, you, the further you see how political it is. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I, that was me. I was just like, I, I got to get out of here. This is the, it's like the higher you got, the more bullshit you had to jump through with it. Right. I mean, I loved, I loved my time in the military and I'm not going to bash on the military, but it wasn't mm-hmm. for me. I had to get out for sure. Yeah. But I'm not sure how we got here from the roads. <laughs> so basically. That's how libertarianism works. Bitters, you just start talking about bitters. one thing and it ends up four down. Yes. Yes, that's it. absolutely. It. So, um, back to the rose, just briefly though. You're 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 saying that, just like libertarians believe about just virtually any other market or any other sector of the market, is that the private sector is going to be way more efficient at it than the government. I mean, you look at the roads around here. The ones that go to all the high dollar places. I mean, they're they're repaving the roads what every six months. Yeah, and then you get to like your neighborhood. Right. Um, and the roads there's like half roads there. Well, I know we had that massive rain last night and I'm walking out to my, my car this morning to go to work. And I noticed like part of the road is like folded up and I'm like, how does that even happen? <laughs> well, thank God we have the government taking care of our roads. <laughs> so it's like, do you remember when a uh, Domino's did that thing where they yeah. were filling potholes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, they were doing a better job of fixing issues in the road than the government in that in those cities yeah. where they were. And doing their it, job is been able to do making and delivering pizza. Right, that is their specialty, but and yet they fair, are their their pizza is the same consistency as. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that is fair. All right, let, let's move on to another uh, criticism here. Um, I had read a quote. And I'm I'm gonna butcher it, butcher it because I didn't write the whole quote down, but it's from John Rawls. I don't know if you heard of him, but he said, "Social contracts justify government actions that violate the rights of some as they benefit the society overall." So basically, it's okay for it's justifiable for the government to violate some people's rights in order to benefit the whole. And that's obviously right. a collectivism statement. That's you you saw that with all right. the masks and stuff yeah. like. Arc type of people were like, "That's bullshit." Yeah, you like why? Why do you? Why do we need to wear masks? And everybody's like, "Oh, it's for the good of the the whole. It's for the good of." And that's a stupid example, but that's that's basically what they're saying here. Like, let's stomp on one or two people's liberties for the better of everybody, the society overall. Well, so I would I I would argue that that was not for the betterment of one or two people's liberties. That was to protect one or two people. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you take a look, if you take a look um, at COVID, um, you had a 97, a, somewhere between a 97% chance of surviving it and a 99.03% chance, depending on which stats you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which means, you know, somewhere between 
0.07 people out of 100 mm-hmm. will die or uh, like three out of 100. Mm-hmm. And instead, what you're doing is you're making everybody out there wear masks. And what they sold it to you as was you aren't wearing the mask to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You are wearing the mask to protect them because you may be asymptomatic and you don't know it and you may might be passing it to from people without any knowledge sure. um where in the in the grand scheme of it uh you probably weren't passing it to anybody as we've kind of learned mm-hmm. as things have progressed um but instead because they wanted to try to save a few people they inflicted their uh they inflicted their authoritarian values onto everybody in some places much worse than others like again florida free estate in the nation mm-hmm. um but california locked down small businesses i think uh 30 of small businesses in this country ended up uh shuttering mm-hmm. um you had uh unemployment jumped to like 16 percent because nobody could get work because they right. shut down businesses. They told everybody they had to stay home. They, you know, stay home, stay inside and uh, don't leave your house. And if you do leave your house, you have to wear this mask and it's all for the betterment of everybody else. And if everybody does their part, blah, 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 except what they were doing is they were just taking more and more control from uh, every citizen out there. They were telling them how they had to live their lives. Right. They were explaining, they were conditioning them to live on the government uh, because every so many people were on federal unemployment and more and more people were just like, no, we're okay with giving up these rights. And you just saw so many people willing to give up their rights in order to live freely, uh, their rights that they would have in order to live freely in order to have everything handed to them by the government, uh, which would have been less money than you could have made if you went out there, worked and got better at your jobs. Uh, if you owned your own business, if you, um, if you were self-employed and wanted to, you know, build your, build your portfolio, whatever, you couldn't do any of this stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you were. And it was all for the betterment of, somewhere between zero and three percent of the country right well what about the other side what if it is something that is more like it would affect the collective it would benefit the collective so screw your individual rights to benefit actual the collective i i know that's what they said and that's like you said that's not obviously what was going on but what if it is a situation flipped like that where if it's better for the the whole um is it beneficial or is it justifiable to have a government that will violate individual rights for that reason? No, because the individual rights is the most important. And who's to say that it's better for the collective? Mm-hmm. Um, if well, that's it what is we have the government for. The for. One of the things, <laughs> and they've been doing a bang up job so far. <laughs> um, but like one of the things I always say when I talk about the government taking too much you know, uh, taking too much, too many taxes, Mm. taking too much of my money for taxes, Mm. um, is, is there a system out there that's being paid for taxes that we need? And people are like, yeah. And I was like, well, would you fund it if uh, the government wasn't taking taxes for it? And they say, no. And I said, then it's not necessary if you're not willing to fund it. Right. Fair. Yeah, that is fair. So That, that comes back to even the roads. It's like, like you said, people wanted roads, businesses wanted roads, therefore they funded the roads. If you're not willing right. to fund roads, I mean, obviously it's not that important no. to you. Right. And so, you know, if you're 
somebody who is a big fan of Planned Parenthood, you know, you can give your money to Planned Parenthood. If you're somebody who is a massive fan of the military, you can give your money straight to the military. If you're a big fan of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else right now. Um, if you're a big fan of schools, uh, schools, yeah, sure. If you're a big fan of public education, you probably went to public education and um, you can give money there mm-hmm. um, or you can dedicate your time to teaching or you can do whatever you want in order to better those things. You don't need the government doing these things for you. You can do them all on your mm-hmm. own. You can get people together to do them with you. Mm-hmm. So what about the welfare system? What about the poor people that live off of? I mean, there are there are people that milk the welfare system. We all know that. But then there are people that actually live off the welfare system that need it for survival um sure what's your what's your um, solution for that if in a small government world so in a small government world there wouldn't be a welfare system um instead it would be handled by private companies private charities churches organizations and they would do it much more efficiently and feasibly than the government does it because they would know if these people actually needed it they wouldn't be just a number in a in a computer of oh uh you know bob smith from uh saint pete florida is looking for welfare well he says he hasn't worked in a year sure why not no it'd be a local organization that would be helping people out locally uh taking donations from people across the state of florida or even just you know in pinellas county Mm -hmm. in order to help out people who had fallen on hard times and they would make sure that the money's being used for what it's supposed to be used for and helping them out with you know their rents or mortgages and you know bringing food to them so that way instead of dealing with the bureaucracy of the government having to pay the however many employees these uh welfare systems have you can just worry about the people who are at this one company who are working locally in order to make sure that the money is being distributed the way that it needs to. Yeah. How much government overhead goes into these welfare programs? How, how many oh, yeah. com- we always talk about um, the solu- government solution is to form a committee or form a, right. yeah. an agency. Right. And I mean, the overhead of that. Put a task force together. It, it, it's got to be like 90 <laughs> percent of the funding goes to the overhead of yeah. these committees that or these task force and, and like 10 percent brunch at the nice resort as they discuss this stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. So I had this, um, I'm going to pull up this, this picture here. I'm going to share this with you. Still, still, still seeing you. (laughs) Oh my God. This is ridiculous. All right. Well, I'll explain this to you. (laughs) The the listeners can see it. And if you pull up the live stream later, you can see it. So this is just a comic strip and there's a guy saying it's time for big government to go. And there's like this big formation of the government, like holding on to all this cash and he says, go on, get. And he's like, let me introduce you to my pride and joy. Go on, little guy, say hi. And it's like this little government, this little circle that says little small government. And the small government says, fuck the poor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it. That's, that's the, 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 the meme. <laughs> um, to me, what I mean, that you, you see it all the time. People talk about libertarians basically being like this fuck the poor mentality, this selfish right. mentality, this um, very like upper middle class mentality. And um, it doesn't in any way, shape or form benefit the poor. And how do you address how do you address things like that? Because obviously we need the government to. So I, I, I don't understand this comment because it is it saying that we need then the big government that's 
hugging all the cash or, or I, what's the solution there? So I'm willing to bet that that was drawn by an anarchist who doesn't believe in any government Mm. Um, because any government that you have. So if you take a look at it, uh, when the U S was founded, um, 1776, you know, we came out with the Articles of Confederation. The Articles of Confederation actually limited the government. Mm. Uh, and then in 1791, um, <laughs> 81, 91, somewhere around there, I don't know my dates as well as I probably should, but um, uh, they had the uh, Constitutional Convention, and that's where we got the United States Constitution from, and we had the Bill of Rights. And that did a much worse job of limiting government. And the government has been ballooning slowly ever since, much more rapidly recently. But you see that everywhere. Um, no matter which government you have, you're going to have an issue where they are going to want power and they are going to in- inflict their power on whoever they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm willing to bet that whoever drew that comic um, is an anarchist who says, it doesn't matter the size of the government. They're going to be screwing somebody over. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of why I've become more of an anarchist over time. And you have like the constitution is a piece of paper that they can uh, pay attention to or not pay attention to. And they don't ever pay attention to the parts <laughs> that restrict their powers. Yes. Right. They yeah. pay attention really closely to the parts where they're like, where it's like, even though all of the laws are like everything in the Bill of Rights like restricts the government, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything in that restricts the government, but they use that to restrict us. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they, they use the loopholes. Like there's like one line in the Constitution, one little line that gives them the ability to interpret the Constitution or something like that. <clears throat> and they use that right. as a loophole to just basically scrub the entire rest of it it's just like well i interpret this as it's wrong basically (laughs) right gorsuch actually uh he referenced that line last thursday in his um in uh one of his dissents that he wrote last Mm -hmm. week and uh he said yeah the it and it it says we get to interpret it however we want and i feel that many of us are interpreting it wrong oh shit (laughs) i mean that's like they, they talk about how uh, January 6th was the biggest threat to our democracy since whatever, the Civil War or whatever. And then you get people like that saying stuff like that, and nobody's saying, that's a threat to our democracy. That's a direct threat right. to our democracy. That's not just stupid people doing stupid stuff uh, right. uh, on a public building. That is you saying, you know, it's my right to interpret the Constitution, and I feel like we need to just rip the whole damn thing up. Right. And he... um. And yeah, since you get to interpret the Constitution however you want, as, you know, as a lawmaker, as as somebody in Congress or the Senate or the President, and then the Supreme Court's the final say on it if it gets there, you know, it just depends on how they de- how they uh, determine what the Constitution says, mm-hmm. and whether or not I agree with how the Supreme Court rules uh, is kind of moot because i'm not the one up there making that decision and that's where you start seeing the breakdown and the constitution is again just a piece of paper that the government has not followed since uh the beginning Mm -hmm. george washington started out um early uh not going through congress and signing executive orders 
And people were like, well, he had to, because there was no way that we knew. It's like, right. But because he was like, okay, it's okay to do it this once, it made it okay for everybody after that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when you get to like your Teddy Roosevelt uh, for the Panama Canal, oh yeah, he said uh, when they asked him, because he did that unilaterally, he did it by executive order. And they said, why did you do this by executive order? He goes, because that way Congress won't spend the next two months debating whether or not we should do this. They'll spend the next two months debating me. <laughs> I mean, and so it was just a way for them to attempt. Go ahead. What was that? I, I missed the last thing. Uh, I was just going to say, like, sorry, no, um, it was just a way. For, it's just a way for them to kind of get around whatever. Because of something George Washington did. And no matter all of the early presidents, you can go through and they all did something that was kind of outside of the realm of the Constitution, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of Jefferson. Yeah. Um, but all of them kind of did something outside the realm of the Constitution. And they, because they did that, it now gives liberty to every single president to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about this with Joe Biden and his what, like 70 something exec- executive orders that he put through on the first week of his presidency and it was just like right all that's doing is sidestepping the constitution sidestep yeah you're sidestepping congress but congress was given these jobs based on the constitution so you're just sidestepping the constitution and and it's like they they brag about it like uh it was obama that was just like i got a pen or what what was his line he's like i got a phone and a pen and basically saying he'll 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 do it Regardless of what Congress yeah. does, and it's it's just like there there are reason why these checks and balances were put in in place, and these people know this, mm-hmm. and they're just sidestepping it and then bragging about it and um, laughing over champagne mm-hmm. later that they they accomplished something yeah. great. Even Trump, all his accomplishments that he touted on his last day as a president was all executive orders, and look at it now, they all got turned around within the first day of. Biden's presidency. So it's just like you didn't accomplish shit if everything can just get erased the next day. Yeah. So, so, um, I guess let, let, let's keep this thing moving. Um, when it comes to, cause you're, you're more of a self professing anarchist, like you said. So less or no government is better. But obviously we have a form of government and we have the likes of like Joe Jorgensen and Spike running last year. Uh, for presidency, what it, what is the what would the end game and, be when it comes to um, <laughs> like a libertarian president? Because um, obviously, all libertarians want less government. So, how do you, as as a libertarian presidential candidate or part of the libertarian party, how do you go into office and make things happen? Like, what what do you do? Do you just step in office and then just? Um, cancel out the rest of the government what happens what what is the goal of a libertarian like government so uh the goal of the libertarian government would be if 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 it would never happen uh, <laughs> for a very long time uh i don't want to dishearten anybody it will happen eventually but it's not going to happen anytime in the next my lifetime um (laughs) but you would go in and you would vote you you would just veto you would just constantly veto anything that doesn't cut budgets that doesn't uh make people more free and you would just veto 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 
Um, I've heard, and I don't know much about the job of the president. Uh, I think it is to get up there and say stupid things. Um, you know, like as usual, they gave me a list of names to call on or, uh, you know, I think due process, uh, take the guns first, due process second, you know, things like that. Um, cause that's what presidents apparently say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I feel as though you would just continually veto. Some people have told me that they have uh, the ability to sign off on uh, different funding for departments like the executive departments. Mm-hmm. And you could defund departments from the executive because they were created by the executive and you mm-hmm. could then defund them by the executive. Mm-hmm. So you would defund those departments. Um, and if I could defund departments, I would start with the IRS, the Department of mm-hmm. Education, the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, um, and anybody that's been doing any sort of illegal wiretapping or uh, any kind of uh, spying on American citizens without due process and a warrant. Mm-hmm. Would, would that, um, a move like that department? be possible? I mean, when you have... The, the Senate legislature, I mean, is stacked with the other parties. I mean, that would be a, a pretty uphill battle. That would be, yes, it would be an uphill battle. Um, but that would be where uh, making sure that you had a budget, a balanced budget comes in. And if they can't balance the budget, just say, well, then we're going to have to start slashing and start recommending. Mm-hmm. Um that would be the way to do it. And if there are departments that the president can unilaterally defund, um, then just start defunding them because yeah. that would just mean people wouldn't be getting paid anymore mm-hmm. and there wouldn't be anything they could do about it. Right. right. So That's, why show up to work, which would just effectively end the department. Not saying you're fired, but you're not going to get paid. <laughs> well, we had talked about. Earlier. Right, you're not getting paid, so you may as well not show up. We talked about earlier this week um, over the weekend that the state, the governor of Texas had basically through his powers just stopped funding to the legislative branch because half of them wanted to walk out and not get shit done um, because of uh, a voter like bill. Vo- voting bills. Yeah. Voting um, regulation right. bills. So the Democrats all stood up and walked out. So the governor, the governor's like, well, y'all ain't getting paid then. And so there, there was a, um, a, a spending bill on the table, which, in in effect, um, funded the government. funded the government, funded the legislative branch, and so he just vetoed that bill and didn't pay them. I'm like, that is fucking brilliant. It's just like, at what a, any other job, even even union jobs, you walk out, you stage a protest or or whatever, a picket line, you're not getting paid to do that. So when the government gets up and walks out of their job. They shouldn't get be getting our taxpayer money for not doing their job. Agreed, one hundred percent. Like Greg Abbott, uh, he does a lot of things that I agree with. Um, personally, I don't know where you are. Are you located in Texas? No, we're in Iowa. Iowa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when he was taking credit, he was like, "I, I was, I wasn't sure," um, <laughs> but he was. Um, he was saying when he ended the COVID lockdowns, he was like, I ended the COVID lockdowns first. Well, yeah, you never should have started them, you prick. Right, um, right. You should have just let people run their businesses and run their lives. And you probably would have seen very similar numbers to everybody else in the country. Sure. Mm-hmm. You would have seen that same spike and it would have gone down. And But you would have stayed open. People would have kept their homes. Um, but he recently signed the bill uh, allowing... Uh, constitutional carry, open carry mm-hmm. in Texas without permit. 
love mm-hmm. it. Think that's yeah. great. Um, and any anytime a government's like, you're not going to do your job, you're not getting paid. I'm for it because oh, that yeah. saves tax. I mean, it does. Oh, yeah. It gives the facade of saving taxpayer dollars. <laughs> right. um, they're going to get their money one way or the other, mm-hmm. but they'll give it to somebody else if it doesn't go to the original people. They're not giving it back. Yeah. But um, I, if 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 you aren't if you're in the government and you aren't doing your job, you shouldn't get paid. Mm-hmm. You absolutely should not get paid because that is taxpayer dollar that you are currently wasting to make a point mm-hmm. instead of sitting there and fighting the battle that you need to be fighting. Yeah, and that's that's basically what Governor Abbott said. He's like, y'all want to come back to work and uh, do your job and fight this back and forth, then then yeah, you'll get paid. But right now, like we're going to have to call in a second session that you're going to have to get paid double for doing mm. the same thing that you should have done the first time you were here. So, right. um, yeah, I was, I was, I mean, it, it warmed my heart that that happened. Not, you I you mean, cried a little bit, obviously, <laughs> like, like you said, the taxpayers aren't getting their money back, but the fact that they stuck it to these people a little bit, uh, made me happy inside. Yeah. Right. And, um, here in Iowa, it's kind of interesting because we've talked about the state of Texas is seen as this like outlaw state. And so everybody uses them as an example but it's like the state of Iowa does is always one step ahead of doing what Texas does, but nobody talks about it because we're just fucking Iowa. We're Iowa. <laughs> like, we passed a constitutional carry law, what, three April. months ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, they uh, ended the, the lockdowns and stuff a month before Texas did. Yeah. All, all the stuff that they're saying, oh, Texas is this because they did this. It's like, well, Iowa did that a month uh, ahead right. of time, but nobody cares about Iowa. So. <laughs> did you guys end mask mandates and all that stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we ended, oh, wow. Yep. Yep. There's um, the governor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm learning that currently. Nobody cares about Iowa. Yeah. No. And actually, the go- there was a bill on the table for the governor to, um, what was it, to uh, privatize or to like basically take. Um, money that would go towards public schools and allow the parents to take that money that's allocated for their students to make the choices for their yeah. kids to further education. Yeah. And oh, so, so like a school choice program? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Big, so, big fan of school choice programs. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to see what Texas is going to do next, just follow Iowa politics. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody follows it's them. Like, but it's like that meme with Mr. Bean where the guy's like writing and it's like Iowa and then it's like Texas would be like looking over the shoulder. <laughs> basically, basically <laughs> exactly it. But I thought the same thing about our governor here. It's just like, yeah, it's great you ended these things, but right. why did you start these things to start with? It yeah. was just right. pandering to the the masses that wanted mm-hmm. this shit. And um, like she had, she was against it for a long time and right. then all of a sudden locked everything down. It's just like... Yeah. Um, the loudest, the squeakiest wheel gets the oil, I guess. So the loudest people right, got right. the attention. But the fact that she ended a lot of it, I'm just like, good, good. It needed to be ended along. And that yeah. never should have started in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And like here in Florida, we locked down for a little bit. Um, like statewide, we locked down for a little bit. And then uh, Governor DeSantis was like, no, nah, we're going to, we're, we're ending this. This is stupid. We're yeah. not doing this. But uh, different counties and cities, uh, the yeah. localities were locking down. And I was unfortunately stuck in one of those. Right. But it wasn't as bad. Even that wasn't as bad as many other states. Like I still, I still basically lived my life the same way. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't go in places. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. Same. I, I still... We, well, there's still private businesses here that, I mean, with, even without a mask mandate, they you have to have a mask to get in. Right. Well, so. the state of Iowa, the governor actually came out and said local cities and counties cannot impose their own mask regulations. 
which right. I'm not even sure what I how I stand on that though because right. um like I the one side of me is just like good um we don't want these stupid mandates and stuff but then the other side the more libertarian leaning is like is it I mean if it was the other way around and the state the state governor was saying or the federal was saying you know what you have to mandate by county these masks we'd be completely opposed to it so I guess what's your stance on the greater government the state government mandating that the local governments can't, can't mandate mandate like can't what mandate. yeah because um, i mean that's that's the irony of it like we don't like the mask laws but i don't like that the 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 state government is pushing their own mandates on the local level i think the local level should have more authority than they do right and yes i i agree with that to a point but when we're talking about things like the mask mandates or you know let's uh vaccine passports or mm-hmm. vaccine cards or whatever you want to call it right um here in florida he made a rule that uh you no local no state government could uh mandate that you need a vaccine passport in order to enter mm-hmm. um and i've heard or any private i don't think any private business can ask, yeah no private business can ask for it either and at first i was like you can't tell a private business how they can run right. their mm-hmm. business sure but then uh after i had some time to think about it um individual right is the most important right uh mm-hmm. the individual is the smallest minority you know ayn rand stuff um but and i'm not a huge ayn rand, rand fan but i do agree with that sentence like the individual is the smallest minority okay. and nobody is entitled to my medical information mm-hmm and you cannot force me to give that information to you. I can voluntarily give it to you, but you cannot force me to give you that information to get milk. Yeah, right. um, so I, I kind of fell off on the, well, you can't tell a private business to do that because a private business shouldn't be allowed to tell me that I need to give them my medical information. Right, um, right, because right. if it was like back in the eighties and during the uh, AIDS scare, mm. um, during the AIDS pandemic or AIDS demic or whatever they called it, um, they weren't requiring proof that you didn't have, you know, AIDS or HIV in order to enter a place. Sure. And that was something that had like a hundred percent death rate for people who had it. And Dr. Fauci at the time was saying that this could be airborne or right. you could get it in normal contact mm. by, you know, at your house, if you're with somebody who has it. Right. So that was a much more terrifying thing than COVID and they weren't demanding all of this stuff then. So no, you cannot have my medical information. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your impression of, or not impression <laughs> opinion of the uh like now there's like uh i just read about like food fighters are doing concerts but they're only allowing people vaccinated to come in to watch the shows right yeah i think i mean that's stupid but uh, (laughs) i think that they have the right to say it yeah um i know there was a punk show here in florida which you know when you think of anti-authoritarianism and um going against the system Mm -hmm. you think punk and they're the ones that are pushing for vaccine cards yeah um and i'm like that makes absolutely no yeah. sense yeah. as somebody who grew up listening to punk um but they were charging if you were vaccinated it was 15 bucks if you if you weren't vaccinated it was a thousand yeah wow. we had seen that yeah yeah and i was like i grew up listening to like the sex yeah. pistols and the ramones mm-hmm. and uh the stiff little fingers and 
you guys are disappointing me today. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> if Rage Against the just, Machine does that next year in St. Louis, I'll be pissed. <laughs> I, but I could see Rage Against the Machine doing it. I could too. Oh, I really man. could too. Because <laughs> they aren't raging against a machine anymore. They are the they're they're, they're like they're no the you need to suck you need to suck the dick of the machine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. That's the only way to start that. Right. No, it, it's definitely true that the switch in certain cultures like the punk culture from the anti-establishment culture to the glom on and suck the dick of the establishment Mm -hmm. culture like you look at like even green day which is like later the more pop punk but still they they started off as as punk and now now you look at them now and they're just spitting all the same shit that that you're seeing all over cnn Mm -hmm. all over the mainstream media it's just like when did this happen? <laughs> like, what happened here? Yeah. With Green Day, like, yeah, they were they were punk. Uh, like, the album before Dookie that I can never remember the name of, and mm-hmm. Dookie, and then they kind of started not being good. Yeah. And I personally thought American Idiot was their best album. I thought that album was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just against the war, and they yeah. thought George Bush was an idiot for starting it. And I was like, that's fair. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I at the time when it came out, I didn't agree. I have changed my opinion on that. Um, but I but I thought the album was absolutely unbelievable, and they were fighting against the establishment. Mm. They weren't fighting for it, and I got it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if Joe Biden started a war with Iran or uh, Syria or whatever Russia, they would probably sing songs about why it was good, oh, and they yeah. would become oh, yeah. the new pro-war band. Oh, and, yeah. It's it's disappointing to see in so many different ways because it's obviously not about um, staying consistent in what you believe. Mm-hmm. It's only about staying consistent with the party that you back. Yeah. Well, Matt, we are due for a break. Um, we're we normally do about a five minute break so people can refresh their drinks and I can take a piss and all that stuff. <laughs> um, do you still got more time to come back in about five minutes and, and talk some more? I had some other stuff that um, yeah, I, I, I want to shift. Um, we wanted to shift directions. Um, we, we had mentioned the pre-show, and I mentioned to you, I've been seeing a, a lot of this anti-landlord sentiment going around in certain pockets of social media, and it just blew my mind, first of all. I never even like considered this thought and then all of a sudden I see like one or two people commenting. Then all of a sudden it just blows up in this one specific spot on the Internet. So um, I, I wanted to talk to you about that. And if we get more time, we can talk more about libertarian concepts. I'm sure libertarian concepts are going to pop up in this conversation, too, because you fully support the right to private privately owned property. You, you uh, Libertarians support the right to um, owning businesses and things like that. So I'm sure we'll get into more of those concepts as we talk about that too. So, um, But I do want to get into a break. So uh, we'll get you back in here in about five minutes and then we'll, we'll talk about that then. Okay. All right. We'll see you Sounds all good. just a minute. Um, go refresh your drinks. Um, take a piss. Take a piss. We don't want Smoke you pissing your you pants. Got them. Smoke them. I mean... Libertarians fully support the right to smoke them if you got them. So um, definitely do that if you got them. Um, We'll be right back, and then we'll continue this discussion with Matt Wright of Muddied Waters Media. We'll be right back.
Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez, at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, everybody. We are back with Matt Wright of Muddied Waters Media. Uh, Muddy Waters of Freedom podcast, and do you do anything else, or is that or are those the only two? He's got like, writer's public block. The writer's block. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're pot. Yeah. So, do you have anything else that you do publicly? <laughs> like, write? Do you write? Do you blog? Do you do anything like that, or is it just podcasting and then your day? Um. So I've actually written two novels, uh, non-political. Nice. Um, and uh, one is called Dear Jack, Diary of an Addict. And uh, it's about four friends who get together to help a friend get off of heroin. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, I wrote that many years ago when I was getting off of drugs um, for the first time. Nice. And then um, I wrote another one called Can You Keep a Secret, which is about a odd, lonely, awkward guy who uh, meets and falls in love with an alcoholic sex addict with multiple personalities. Oh, wow. Where can you find those books at? Uh, on Amazon. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll on post, Amazon. We'll we'll get links to that and we'll post links for all that stuff so people can check cool. that stuff out if they're interested. So um, I alluded to a topic that, um, like I said, is new to me. It's a new concept to me, and this actually ties loosely back to you because I found this conversation primarily in. Um, the vermin supreme like chat group it's like dank memes chat group or something like that and all of a sudden that went viral on that chat group and just became all about like anti-landlords anti um this anti that and it it just blew my mind i'm just like i didn't even like i said i didn't even know this was a thing and i didn't even know like i rent so and i've never at this point where i'm just like you know what fuck landlords i mean yes i i'm sure i've said at one point when they didn't come fix my basement for six months fuck these guys this is bullshit but never in my life have i been like you know landlords are the problem that's going on in the world (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that is a movement that uh stems from a misreading of a john locke quote um life liberty and property um 
which Thomas Jefferson ripped off and said life, liberty, and happiness. Um, I was actually going to ask you about that because that was um, like your views on the right to property because that like got omitted from the original um, Declaration of Independence, but that was originally supposed to be there. So um, right. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. This is actually the Declaration of Independence behind me. Oh, wow. Nice. I yeah, it's, a, it's an exact replica of the first draft. Wow. That's cool. Um, but um yeah, the life, liberty, and property from John Locke, people saw that as you have the right to property. Mm-hmm. And the way, what the actual quote is, is you have the right to life, liberty, and estate, meaning what you own. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of got bastardized over the years and became life, liberty, and property, which people then took to be slavery, land. Mm-hmm. Well, land. Um land and that you have everybody has the right to the land right um and they see that uh land uh that landlords um are evil because they are collecting all of the land and they are letting you live on it for money mm-hmm. um there is nothing inherently wrong with what landlords are doing. Yeah. You're going to have your slum lords and you're going to have your bad landlords and you're going to have issues uh, like that, just like you do in any industry. Sure. But with, um, but with the rent is theft movement uh, that was, I first started hearing about this in 2017 and it kind of goes up and down in waves. Mm. Um, But the, the truth of the matter is, the greatest investment people can make is in property uh, land specifically, because there's only so much of it. There's only so much of it and we're not creating more. So it's going to go up in value. It's, it is a very uh, finite thing. Like Mm -hmm. there's only so much. Um, So when people go out and they buy property and they buy land um, and they build houses on it or they build uh, apartment condo, uh, apartment complexes on their condos, whatever. Um, they are using that land, how they see fit for that land. Right. Um, the fact that you aren't buying the property because you think everybody should own it collectively um, is wrong. It's just wrong. There you go. Matt said it. It's wrong. <laughs> it's just, and, and where you see that argument the most are in big cities. Like you'll see that in your New York's, your LA's, your San Francisco's where the rents are out of control. And that's because so many people are living there. Right. And it's a supply and demand situation. It's not that the landowners or the landlords or whatever are charging so much because, um, because they're just trying to screw poor people. They're charging that much because that's what they can get for that property. If you weren't going to live in a major city, the rent isn't that bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be much less expensive. When I first moved to, um, I left DC area and I moved to uh, Tennessee. Um, and what I could get in the DC area for a thousand dollars a month at the time um, wasn't great. No. But what I could get in Nashville at the time was freaking fantastic. Like it was like two story, four bedroom house with three bathrooms kind of stuff. And it was, it was eye-opening to me on so kind of helped on the supply and demand uh, learning about supply and demand because nobody wanted to live in Nashville at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, because of that stupid show that was on TNT or whatever, um, <laughs> anybody can come out here and become a country music star. No, oh, you yeah. can't. 
No, yeah. you can't. No, Don't I actually, try. <laughs> I actually know somebody. I know a couple people, a couple females that moved to Nashville to become country stars. One of them actually semi made it. I heard her music playing at Barnes and Noble, so I know she semi made hmm. it. The other one she, moved back that's, to Iowa. That, that's better than most. Yes, the other one's back <laughs> in Iowa. So I mean, or Illinois or somewhere. So I, I, she wasn't there for a year or two, and she probably blew everything she owned. The one that semi made it. I, I know she had posted that she like had to hawk her like wedding ring and engagement ring and stuff to just survive for and it was like six, seven years before she even like came out like anything hmm. became public. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean I've heard many people say that that's a tough world to get into. That it, is like the yes. toughest genre of music to get into if you don't know somebody. So hmm. That that is the biggest thing is you need to know people. When I was I was waiting tables at this restaurant in Nashville when I was there, and uh, I'd be talking to a table and they'd be like, "So what do you do?" Mm. And I'm like, "Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. I I don't know how else to answer that question." And they're like, "Well, you don't want to be a waiter your whole life." I was like, "Oh no, I'm a writer." And they immediately went, "Oh, songwriter." And I was like, "No, like real writer. My <laughs> the things I write are more than forty five words long, um, and they make more, sense, right? And they make sense. Um, but they, uh, but yeah, if you don't know people in the music industry, you're probably not going to make it. Right. And it's that's a hard pill to swallow for a yeah. lot of people, mm. especially yeah. the country industry, from what I've heard." Right. Um, that's not what we're here to talk about. We no, could probably they, do a they'll whole. They'll swallow. Show. They'll swallow pretty much anything to make it in country. <laughs> yes, um. <laughs> literally. Um, so I, I had a couple. I'd saved a couple posts from that, um, that Vermin Supreme page that I, I you're not going to be able to see because for some reason I can't share my screens Their with screen, you. But I'm right. going to read them off, um, and the people can see it, the listeners can see them. Um, so this first one says, landlords are really a problem in society. It's landlords that also hoard land slash property, com- uh, creating monopolies and oligopolies. What do you think of that one? So landlords don't hoard properties for the most part. Like They're looking at your like Berkshire Hathaways or your uh, uh, Black Rocks, and they're like, oh, that's what they're doing. And yeah, these companies do that, but they end up renting them out to people who need places to live. Um, whether or not you think that's immoral, that's really on you, but mm. they are purchasing these properties. Um, the majority of landlords they are living month to month. Like they, mm-hmm. they are taking on the risk of uh, anything that you do to the property. Right. Anything that you do to the property, anything that uh, the nature does to the property, um, anything that could possibly be fallen on the property, you are not taking on any of that risk as a renter. If you slip and fall in the shower, uh, the landlord is responsible for that. Right. In most places. Wow. Um, Have you thought of that? I I didn't think about. Huh. Well, well, my step out, my front step outside is crumbling apart. Maybe I'll trip and fall. I almost die every winter here. (laughs) Check your lease to make sure he hasn't written in there that uh, he can get out of it. But yeah, like if you hurt yourself inside a rental property and it's because of the rental property, you can sue your landlord. Oh, wow. Um, 
and you know he has to make sure you know, he she whatever uh has to make sure that these things are covered also anytime that something breaks they have to know that they have the money to do it plus they have to make sure that they're paying the property tax that you aren't paying they have to pay uh the mortgage that you aren't paying and they are doing all of this as a service for you living like for you paying rent to live there right and that was my biggest question like I'm not going to go out and buy a house right now. Right. It's like my first I'm thought. I'm going to wait like a year and a half until Joe Biden completely screws that market. <laughs> right. Yeah, no shit. Uh, my it's first thought, when I first started seeing this, I'm like, so what's the solution to people that can't go out and buy houses? And I didn't even like put together this concept. Oh, they 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 see housing as a basic human right, so it should just be free for everybody, just like colleges right. and should be free for everybody right. and everything else. And it's just. Like, how, how do you make that happen without the government owning everything? And we've right. seen government-sponsored housing. It's all complete garbage. Shit. It's garbage. shit. It's yeah. straight shit. Even the ones that look nice on the outside, you go inside them, and they're shit. Yeah. Like, the studs are, like, twice as far apart. The, you could probably push the house oh, yeah. over. They're slammed right. together. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. But, like, people sit on these sites are saying that landlords are leeches and all um, there's there's a couple more I, I wanted to Do you to think read. some of this is jumping on the bandwagon from the you know the the stop on on rent payment on you know um unable to not being able to get evicted because of you know everything with because COVID. of COVID. Right, right. That's actually that's actually a good point because that was right about the time period in which I stopped hearing about uh rent is theft. Right. And now now it's so popping that I, back up again. Now it pops back up. It, it that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I thought uh, I consider that too. It's interesting. Yeah. And my parents, so my parents, uh, we were all in real estate at some point. My parents still are. And uh, they've always said the greatest investment is buying property. And I honestly believe that 100%. And they own a couple of properties uh, here in Florida and then some up in Virginia where they are. And the amount of work that goes into uh, ensuring that the renters are happy, like if something falls on the roof and you have to pay for a new roof, that's like almost a year's worth of rent in some of these places that you are now pulling out of pocket and that doesn't fall on the renter that falls on you and you have to get it fixed quick. So if you don't have the money, you need to find the money to do it. So these are things that they aren't lead, but some are leeches. I'm not going to say that all landlords mm. are good. Some are crap. Yeah. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, but for the most part, not landlords for the most part are not millionaires and billionaires who are right. hoarding land. There are people who are just trying to pay off mm-hmm. the mortgage. So that way they have some sort of income coming in uh, and they have enough money in order to pay for new roofs. Or if you break a window for mm-hmm. a new window or mm-hmm. new uh, fixing driveways during, after heavy storms, you know, things like that, because that's what needs to be done in order to make sure that the property is still upheld. So this next one kind of addresses what you're talking about there. Um, it's uh, that meme with the the cartoon guy with the butterfly. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, yes. But, but it, it says landlords is the cartoon guy, and the butterfly is two thirds of someone's income. And the guy, the landlord, is saying, "Is this my hard earned income?" <laughs> so it's a whole concept that you're you're you. You're earning your income and you're giving it all to this guy that does basically right. jack shit, which anybody that knows uh, has the slightest amount of common sense or has ever even rented a property knows that landlords do more than just jack shit for the most part. If it's right. not the landlords, mm. it's the property managers. And that's what we have a lot of around here. We have a lot of um, big 
time property management companies, but they don't own the properties. There's like a private landlord that right. pays out. So yes, yes, um, this retired guy isn't doing a lot of the work, but he's still fronting a lot of the bills for the repairs. I mean, shit, I just had this basement. The whole thing, they had to rip out all the flooring. They had to dig up a new sewer line under it. They had to replace the drywall four feet up all the way across the entire thing. It's like, that shit don't cut. They had to replace the water heater and the, the air conditioning. It's just like, yes, they're taking some of my hard-earned in- income, but they are paying a lot of their hard-earned income. Yeah. To for all these exactly. amenities right. that I don't have to do now. Yeah, if, if you owned, right. how much would that have cost you? Mm-hmm. Right. And then they, if it, if they were your owners of the property and they had to get all of these things fixed, they would say then say contractors are leeches. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sure, I'm in Florida. Yes, that's a real <laughs> thing. Um, but right now, the landlord has to take care of that, mm-hmm. not me. Um, and. The, the issue, I've seen that meme uh, a lot, and my issue with that meme is who spends two-thirds of their income on rent? And <laughs> did you never take any kind of like finance class right. on what you're supposed to be spending where? Right. If you're spending more than a third of your income on rent and or mortgage, you're doing, uh, it, wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yes, mm-hmm. yes absolutely. Um, I mean – Marry a rich wife or somebody to cover right. some of that, or or, <laughs> or, or downgrade, or, or move out of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I know it's like magical and poetic to live in San Francisco or New York itself, but don't complain about the prices. Yeah. You you have literally brought this on yourself. Right. This one was my favorite one here. It says, uh, "Housing is a basic human right. All landlords are parasites. Eviction is murder." Landlords are legalized mafia, and rent is protection-free. Holy shit. Rent is theft, domination, and injustice. Abolish property. That's my favorite part, is that last line. Abolish, abolish property. Abolish private property. From a libertarian standpoint, what do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, let's not abolish private property. I don't. I don't want anybody walking into my property and uh, just saying, well, I live here now, and there's right. nothing you can do sure. about it. Like, well, no, nobody actually wants that. We had covered, um, we, had, I don't know how much you've dug into like the great reset and things like that. Um, that whole concept, uh, put on by the, the uh, world economic forum, but we've dug into that and we've dug into like the agenda 21 stuff, all that bullshit. Um, and one of the concept was like kind of coexisting, pro- like everybody would live right. in basically like little tiny apartments but you'd work different shifts so people would like kind of rotate right. in and out of like be like timeshare yeah so you'd, right. you'd share your your own domain but, your own 400 square feet with other right. families but that other were, people yeah. yeah but their whole thing was abolish private property mm-hmm. so yeah and at what point does that line stop like right. where does private property end does that mean my car that you know, that I paid for and have been paying like the, the, the tags mm-hmm. on, which, you know, that's a different form of theft. Um, <laughs> yes. Is because I've heard, I own the car. Why can't I just drive it? Right. But, um, you know, d- does that mean that anybody can just go and use my car when they want to? Well, yeah. The, well, they want to get rid cor- of private vehicles right. too. That's yeah. another one of the so things. So you, you come home, you go to bed for the night, they get your car, they go to their job or whatever, and and you guys just timeshare vehicles and, and houses and, and just share food. Like, and Well, if they put us all, like, smash us all into these city environments, which is what they want because they want the environment to just be free, they want all this, like, free land, like this uh, 
environmentally untouched land. Right. So they're going to cram us all into cities is On what these they giant want. giant high rises. And right. so, yeah, we're going to be probably working next door to where we're, we're living, or if not in the same building. Or we're going to have these mass uh, transportation systems that just carts us a block down the road. And so, yeah, I mean... You say this, well, where does that end? Well, they have solutions for that too. They want, they do want to end the, the mm. personal vehicles. They do it because it's bad for the environment. And, and then you get your right. meal mealworm burger when you get home. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep, it's coming. It's coming, man. It, yeah, and yeah, that. So many people uh, I, I have seen talking about rent is theft, and we need to abolish private property. Um, there was actually a girl, uh, a woman who um, she was running for the Florida house mm -hmm. and she came into where I was working at the time at the Cava bar and she sat down to talk to me. And that was not a good choice by her um, <laughs> of all the people she could have sat down with. I was not the right person. And she was like, I would really love to uh, get your endorsement. And I was like, okay, well let's talk. And she wanted to get rid of private property. And immediately upon her she didn't say, I want to get rid of private property, but she said, I think that uh, property should be open for all people and that, you know, people should be able to live where they want and we shouldn't be burdened by rents. And I was like, then who's going to, who's going to do that? Right. And she was like, well, the state of Florida would end up, you know, like giving it out. And I was just like, so what about the people who already own stuff? And she goes, well, we would have to take it. And I was like, <laughs> That's where it comes down to. They you know, like, just mm, take your shit. I don't think you're going to take my house from me. No. Because I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You see this this um, World War or like Civil War era rifle behind my head? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will utilize it. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it works, but I'll figure it out real quick. <laughs> so here was another fun one that along the same lines, but this one goes a step further. This one says, I'm 100% anti-lawn. The lawn exists because some rich dude said, I'm going to show the neighborhood that I'm so rich I can afford to just not use this land. And now almost everyone has one, and it makes the world objectively worse in a lot of ways. So now lawns are bad. For so for okay all right so what would this person what would this person prefer would they prefer more buildings there or for more housing or do they want more growth to help uh co2 uh oxygen production right yeah, yeah. like which, which one are they rooting for here because you i used to live across both the, ways right i used to live across the street from some uh people and they had a signs out in their front yard that says mowing kills habitats and they were very against people mowing their yards they didn't force oh. it on other people their front yard was completely overgrown and they had like they took care of it like there were trees and it looked nice ish i guess yeah. um but you know it was filled with a bunch of different trees and a bunch of different plants and um wasn't my style but sure if that's what they believe and that's what they want and it's their property go ahead do, do your thing just a, a brilliant husband who figured out how to get out of mowing the lawn <laughs> yep. babe babe do you know how bad this is for the environment we need to let it breathe <laughs> mowing the lawn is so bad for the environment we should just not do it yes ever again in fact you like gardening right exactly yeah. Yeah. I, I got into, I didn't get into a debate. I had, all I did was post a image of my garden on Facebook. And then all of a sudden I started getting all this advice of how tilling is so bad for the soil, which, which I can understand that. And then they, they, they 
everybody came out of the woodwork to give me all this advice on gardening and that my roots weren't getting enough water and I got these like monstrous pepper plants that like the peppers are bigger than the plant itself. It's just like I, I don't know why I'm even having that. I, I just wanted you to look at my damn plants. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just wanted to show off my peppers here. Mm-hmm. But I, I, want... I, I get all these uh, I, um, different ways that I should be gardening, which is better for the environment and stuff. It's just mm-hmm. like, I just want to fucking eat my hot peppers. Monday morning gardeners. <laughs> <laughs> Monday morning soil tillers. Yes. Um, <laughs> Soil tilling so bad for the environment. Well, I've actually never heard that, um, but it does, nothing surprises me. Everything's bad for the environment mm. now. It seems it is. It D- is. Don't let things overgrow. That's bad for the environment. Don't cut them <laughs> down. That's bad for the environment. But yeah, it's interesting what you said about this anti-lawn guy because these are clearly way left-leaning individuals, right? Who also he had a lot of Bernie stickers. Yeah, who also right. are like go green type people, but then they don't want like natural plants on your property because that's a waste yeah of property. that's a waste of property yeah huh yeah and since i don't know which way that guy is going i can't argue either way but no matter like no matter what um that's i bought that land and i'm not using it to show off to you right <laughs> it's my it's my fucking land let me do what i want let me right. mow it or I, not I, mow it I'm I'm using it so you know my kids have a place to go play or right. you know if I have friends over for a barbecue we aren't standing in a four foot square. Right. You know that's uh, some real first world shit you you're talking there. That's, <laughs> right. Your your privilege is showing right now that you want your kids to play in a yard. I know, um, but terrible. All over this 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 page though i don't want to keep i don't want to slam like vermin supreme because i thought the guy was brilliant and he was like a mar- I, excellent I love marketer vermin. yes but vermin is a fantastic human being i love vermin i think he is wonderful um i i was supporting him in the uh, last uh in the last li- libertarian primary um and i was 100% on the vermin train which has nothing to do with the fact that my co-host was running with him um <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with it but no vermin's wonderful like i've hung out with the guy many times and he is just a really great person who genuinely cares Mm -hmm. but what i know about vermin's life um is everything that he's doing he's doing voluntarily right and i'm not like i don't want to say anything about how he lives because that's not my business but everything that he's doing he's doing voluntarily and he's not trying to force that on anybody else Mm -hmm. yeah and that is where the difference is in a lot of these people is they want to force this on other people mm. well, that, where he doesn't. That's interesting that you bring that up. Cause I got to my next point is all these people supposedly say that they're anarchists, like, cause people come on and be like, I can't believe all this Marxist bullshit that's coming out of the vermin Supreme page. He's like, I thought this vermin Supreme was running for libertarian. I came here because I'm a libertarian and there's all this Marxist shit. And they're like, no, we're anarchists. And then they start making these weird claims that liberals aren't leftists and leftists aren't liberals and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. and one of the, the ones that made me scratch my head is there was the argument that, well, that's why you'll never find a true libertarian anarchist. Libertarians can't be anarchists. And it just – it blows my mind because – these are the because there are two obviously two major camps of anar- anarchism. There's the ANCAP and the and 
com. Anarch, an, yeah, anarch, ancoms or anarchist socialists. Yeah. yeah. And so in order to be anarchist socialist, you basically have to put your will on somebody else. And that, first of all, that would, I fully support like communes and stuff like that. I would, I, honestly, yeah. I wouldn't mind living on a commune yeah. where everybody even, even everybody just shared their money and stuff, like pulled together their money by choice, right. by choice. Like there was a show, I can't think of the name, The Riches, I think was the name. And they like ran away. It was, they like scammed some, some people and then they ran away to this commune. And then the show got canceled after the first season. I was really pissed. Mm -hmm. But their lifestyle was, or they scammed the commune is what they did. Okay. They stole all the mu money from the commune and ditched and ran away and like, found this empty house oh they killed like a rich dude and like took over his house he was just moving into this property and, then, and it was an interesting story but the whole concept of the commune where everybody goes and does their own job they you just gave so many spoilers for a show you didn't say the name of. <laughs> it, it's, it's called the riches the, the show okay. is called the riches like i said it got canceled so you're not going to get anything out of it anyway because It'll just piss you off it didn't even <laughs> right. like it didn't the end of the season didn't even like come to an end it just it just canceled mid-season when they do yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they had like community growing spots and stuff where everybody right. planted, and um, they had they all pooled their money together. And I can support that stuff. But when it comes down to forming an anarchist, communist, or socialist country, right? It's going to well, you're going to have tribalism to start with, where. In any anarchist, like true anarchist society, you, there's going to be tribalism where you're like having to like impose your will on the others, and especially in like socialists, it's like, well, everybody needs to pool together their stuff. It's like, well, I don't want to pool together my I stuff. I, I need I like that bread. My stuff. And so somebody else says, well, we're going to get this guy, this guy, and this guy together to make you put your stuff in the pool. Well, then that no longer is anarchy because now you have a governor, a governing body telling you what to do, whether it's the actual government or just a group of mobsters that are telling you, hey, give me your shit because that's what you have to do to be in this this community here. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was having this conversation with somebody earlier today, um, and I have tried to understand anarcho-communism uh, and anarcho-socialists um, for years now because mm -hmm. I want to understand it better. Mm -hmm. But that is where I always end up is – it appears to me, and I could be 100% wrong, um, that most of the people who are anarcho-socialist have their own way of thinking and their, their own beliefs and you know how they see the world and they want to be left alone about it. Mm -hmm. But they want you to think the same way that they do. Right. But they don't want you to be left alone. They want to be left right. alone, but they don't want you to be. Right. right. That That is how I have viewed it. Like, if somebody wants to be, if somebody wants to go and live on a commune and uh, live in anarcho-communist or an anarcho-Marxist -marxist lifestyle, go ahead, mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, what's Absolutely. stopping? Like literally, what's stopping you? Go. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't believe in private property, but go buy a couple acres right. up in a, Idaho. Put a couple campers on it. Live your lifestyle with people that right. think the same as you. Right. And you can go out and you can do that. You have absolutely no reason to say, uh, yeah, you can't run your business that way. Or you you uh, are letting people in without masks and uh, you should be shut down. Right. Like there would be no reason for any of that anymore. Instead, you would be able to just go and grow your food and uh, live there and do however you guys would do that. Right. I don't really understand how that would work, but um, you would get like. 14 Bernie Sanders who are just like, 
I'm just here to like write for you. And that's how I'm going <laughs> to earn my take. Um, it's a good Bernie write... Sanders impression. Thanks. I'm going to, I'm going to write rape fantasies and uh, that's how I'm going to earn my money. Um, <laughs> uh, which Bernie did, if you didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't understand how it would work, but if you can make it work good, go do it. Like, absolutely. Please. I want you to do it because yeah. I want you to be happy in whatever it is that you're doing. Right. I don't want you to force that on me or on you or on anybody else. I, I just want everybody to be able to live their life as long as you aren't forcing that life on somebody else. Sure. Sure. And um, that comes back to the abolishing private property. Well, you're not technically an anarchist if you're forcing the abolishment of somebody else's or stealing somebody else's private property. That's that's not Based on my limited knowledge of anarchism, that's not anarchism because right. somebody is going to have to enforce that. And it's not right. – I mean unless you are going at gunpoint to take somebody's property away, I mean how, do, how does that work? I'm all about like sharecropping. I'm all about what, whatever, whatever yeah. other community things that they come up with. But when it comes down to the, the fine detail of, hey, let's get rid of private property um, – all that shit that you own, you don't own that anymore. Well, yeah. I, that that well, doesn't sit right with me. Right. That that's where that falls apart for uh, me, definitely, and a yeah. lot of other people that I know. Um, but yeah, it, when it comes to uh, any sort of Marxist theory, and they're saying we need to abolish private property or we need to uh, abolish uh, individual wages, uh, and just you know, what's that quote? Um, from each according to his ability to each uh, according to his need. Right. Um, yeah. If I go out there and I work and I kick butt all day long and you sit there and you do nothing, I, I that's on you. Yeah. That's not on me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are ways to support the people that can't. We discussed right. it in the first half with right. um, privately funded freaking I don't know, charity or, or whatever. Charities, or, churches, organizations. Sure. Like there, and there's a ton of them out there right. right now that do it so much better than the government. Right. right. Uh, a vast majority of them are religious organizations, but they do it well. And I may not agree with your religion and I may not agree with that doctrine, but I do like that you are helping people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you think of this concept that housing is a universal right? And that's the whole um, landlords are bad, private property is bad. Housing's a universal right. You need that to survive mentality. What do you think about that as a libertarian? Uh, I don't think that housing is an individual right, a universal right. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you have the right to obtain housing, and once you do, it is yours. Mm -hmm. But you have to own the housing. Um, it's much like the uh, shirt that you are wearing right now. Um, you have obtained that shirt. I'm assuming legally. Uh, and well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> right. And because of that, I'm not going to say, no, that is our shirt now. Like I have a right to wearing a shirt that says whiskey helps, which would be really weird as a recovering alcoholic, but sure. We'll go with it right now. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't say that's now our shirt or you don't have rights to owning that shirt on your own. Mm -hmm. So saying that about any property doesn't make sense to me. Um, if I wanted that shirt, I would work to get the money to buy that shirt and then purchase it. Mm -hmm. And 
I under like I understand. I I did real estate for years. Not everybody can buy a house starting out, but sure. that is where personal responsibility comes in. That's where you start. Uh, you're working and you're renting and you're putting away a certain amount of money every month in order to save up in order to buy a uh, to put a down payment on a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy that? Does that mean that the banks are banks are theft? Mortgages are theft because you're paying the bank because they own it technically until you pay it off. I'm, I'm sure that's that too. I'm sure. It's I mean, all yeah, that. I mean, probably, but <laughs> but with the with renting or a mortgage, it's the same thing. You're entering into a voluntary contract with the people. Right. Mm. You have said yes, I'm going to do this. And if you're upset because you're paying so much, well, why did you sign the contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, along the same lines, but but shifting a little bit. You talked about the whole how or bill brought up the whole how maybe the the whole fact that um the covid rent restrictions are ending or the the not being able to evict people are ending and that's why this is coming up again um i'm sure you've seen a lot of this whole um living wage thing popping up again because all the freaking unemployment is ending all the covid right. unemployment's ending so all this stuff goes in the cycles with when uh, government funding gets shut off and people start becoming, you, you had said at the beginning, it's like people are getting accustomed to this government handout. Now yep. all of a sudden there's this big push again for, oh, it's a living wage. And there, I mean, we see everywhere that there are jobs just everywhere that can't. Everywhere. That, that are, I mean, by choice, without federal minimum wage raising at all, they're raising their, their salaries because right. there's so many jobs available. They're... Um, offering like probably two or three dollars more than they did a year ago, mm-hmm. and people are still saying, right. "Well, the reason why people aren't going back to work is because you're not paying them a living wage." And blah blah blah. If you it has nothing to do with this or that, it has to do with the fact that you're not paying a living wage. And I know a lot of libertarians are completely against minimum wage to start with. So, right. w- what's your take on that whole whole concept? So, I I think the uh, living wage is zero. Um, I don't think that you should be able to force a business to pay anybody any certain amount of money. I think that is a personal thing between me and my employer mm-hmm. or you and your employer. Um, I don't think that uh, the government getting in the way can really solve that issue. All you are going to do in that situation is uh, put people out of jobs mm-hmm. and keep people from getting jobs. Sure. And the majority of the people that are going to be getting hurt by that are going to be low income, low educated minorities. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're seeing it all over the place now. Like mm-hmm. so many stores here have revamped to the automated uh, checkouts and stuff. And even my wife came home. She's like, this grocery store here in town just put in all these automated machines. She's like, do you know how many jobs that's going to put them out of them? I was like, that's because they're all demanding this living wage. wage. So right. um, that that's what hap- That's what's coming out of it. Um, you are no longer you're no your services are no longer required. So right. um, yes, I, I when you go to McDonald's, you have the big screens that you just go up to in some right. places, yeah. and you yeah. just press the picture of what you want. Now, like you are doing their job because that's yeah. all the they were doing there um and you know you're like oh i don't want this this and this and you know that it's going to be right because you're looking at it Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and then you now you're just waiting on somebody to make it in the back so they have cut down on the number of people that they're paying and they can keep the prices low or you just punch it it in your phone and then you just show up and walk in and pick it up right right 
And what, what that is doing is like people are out of jobs, but it's keeping the prices as low as they possibly can for people outside of there, mm-hmm. um, for the people who are coming into the business. Because as, whenever you raise minimum wage, prices have to go up. People mm-hmm. lose jobs and prices go up. And it's just the way that it works. It sounds, there is, it sounds there to are, me like you hate the poor people. It sounds <laughs> to me like you're saying, fuck the poor, like we said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's where that's where they get it from. They're like, oh, you don't want the poor to make a living wage. No, I want the poor to be employed. Yes. Right? I want them to be employed and I want them to have money coming in and I want them to build their skill sets. Sure. And uh, anybody who says that you can't build your skill sets working at McDonald's is just wrong. Right. You yeah. can, you can learn the business. You can then become a manager. Then you can get yeah. a franchise and you can own sure. your own and then you can continue to buy more. Yeah. Um, well, that has absolutely nothing to do with what the minimum wage is. Absolutely. That just I mean, depends on your drive as an individual. Craig, you worked at McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, no, are I, you still at McDonald's? I am. I'm not. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. It's always laughable to me. It's like, how can you expect somebody working at McDonald's to support four kids? We don't expect that. I don't. I worked there in high school, 15 to 17, I worked there. And that's what is expect. That's a 15-year-old job. I mean, is it my, I mean, is it our responsibility that you have uh, a federal offense on your, on your record and now can't get anything above that? Uh, I mean, that gets into all this grounds of, well, should, should um, employers not hire people because they have, uh, federal offenses or or things like that. I mean, we could we could go off on so we, many trails with this. We really could. But uh, again, those jobs were meant for like high school kids. Those are the ones intended for it. And the ones that are still there, I know several people that, like you said, moved up in the ranks, uh, became yep. managers, made a few bucks more, went on to run a like be a regional manager, mm-hmm. uh, made more money, then ended up going on and buying a franchise, multiple uh, restaurants in their franchise, and they started right where I started. But, I mean, yeah, they're lifers at McDonald's, but they're making probably quite a bit more than I do because they put in the hard work. (laughs) Right. Right. I I worked at a Ruby Tuesdays when I was in my teens, and um, I knew a guy there. He didn't didn't go to college. Um, He thought he was going to be like this great baseball star, and he ended up getting injured, and so his baseball career was over. So he started working at a – uh, he started working at Ruby Tuesdays as a server and he worked his way up. He became a server, then a shift lead key holder um, to manager of his own store. Then he became a regional rep. And then once he got tired of not making as much money as he could, he switched from Ruby Tuesdays to a bigger company, sure. um, a bigger company and started making more money there. And yeah, there are ways to do it. It just really depends on your own personal drive and how much, how far you are willing to go to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always had the mentality of once I stop being able to move up, it's time to move on. Like I worked right. for, I installed for Dish for a couple of years and, and I went from there, they had like tier levels of pay and I went from the bottom tier to the top tier in like two months. And at that point, I was just like, well, fuck. I got nowhere to go now. And so after like a year or a year and a half of it, I was just like, I can't keep doing this because I'm just going to be doing this forever mm-hmm. and go nowhere. So, I mean, if you have that mentality of move up or move on, then right. then you, you'll you succeed in life. And you shouldn't right. have to worry about whether or not McDonald's is going to support your family of four kids. Right. Um, like you said, build your skills. Um, move on if, right. if it's necessary. There, there's Right. There's, like we said, there's loads of jobs out there, and 
minimum wage hasn't been even addressed yet, but these jobs are already paying like much more than twice, minimum wage. Twi- two right. to three times the minimum wage. So, and it's like we're talking like gas station attendants are making like twice the minimum wage. So it's just like mm-hmm. you can't say that it's not there and that the government needs to regulate this because the markets are regulating it on on their own as the markets generally do. Right, and that. A lot of people see it as, you know, these pe- I'm working for these people. I'm letting uh, I'm letting McDonald's make all of this money off of my labor. And like the, the truth thing. is, right. And the the truth of it is, uh, most McDonald's, most fast food restaurants are franchised out to small like to small people who don't have like a ton of money. Right. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike Johnson down the road, uh, he owns like two you know two McDonald's and he's making it work and he's paying his employees and he did everything he could, excuse me. He did everything he could during the pandemic to keep as many on as he could to keep them employed. And now you want to say, okay, well, I know that you, you know, took a massive pay cut uh, during this time period to make sure that we stayed employed, but now you need to give us more money. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make, it, it make, it makes sense in the fact that people feel entitled to whatever it is that they need at that moment. Mm-hmm. But um, the truth of it is most of the time when you think you're screwing over a massive company, you're not, you're screwing over somebody, you're screwing over one of your neighbors. Right. right. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong there. And you talk about this whole entitlement now and it's just like, well, this is, I mean, I'm not going to go do this because the government's giving it, giving me this. And that's what's created this entitlement. And you see all these, articles that come out on the mainstream media and it's like no the ending of or no the covid unemployment is not what's keeping people from going and finding jobs and it's just like are you are you fucking high or like <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about i mean people are making here in iowa they're making like 900 bucks a week on unemployment which is yeah which here in iowa that's that's probably more than we make right when we've been doing our job, you've been at this job for like 15 plus years and these people doing nothing are making more than you're making. Right. And, and CNN's coming out and saying, no, it's not, it's not the unemployment benefits because X amount of people went out looking for jobs, um, went, went searching for jobs during this time. It's like, where were they looking? Cause the jobs are everywhere. Yeah, Everybody are. has everywhere. hiring signs up right now. Yeah. Everybody's right. offering like a thousand dollars cash bonus or something mm-hmm. like that. Just, to come work for us. So there's a, there's, there's a guy here in Florida uh, who owns McDonald's. Um, oddly enough. Uh, I don't know his real name. He goes by Casper, um, oh. but he owns multiple McDonald's mm-hmm. and he was paying people. I think it was a hundred bucks to just show up to the interview. Wow. Oh, wow. Because people would say, I'm going to go apply at McDonald's. And then he would call him for the interview. Cause here in Florida, I don't know how it works in other States, but here in Florida, uh, you have to fill out a certain amount of job applications a week sure, and record yeah. them. You don't have to show up to interviews. You just have to send them in. Mm-hmm. You just have to say, yeah, I did this and then show proof that you did it. Yeah. Um, so he was like, I will pay you a hundred dollars to show up to the interview, right. which I'm certain cost him so much money with uh, people showing up for the interview and then not taking the job. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, you're just handing out money, but at least people are coming for the interview and you're at least um, <laughs> attempting. You might, right. one out of you 10, might get you might one. get somebody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's taking a risk on, I mean, you talk about, 
oh, these big corporations are leeching off us. This guy's taking a risk himself just handing out free money just to show up to potentially get a job. I mean, that that's paying into something that's the odds of it happening aren't going to happen. So um, right. the amount of risk that goes into it alone is worth the amount of money that some of these owners make. So it, all those arguments just blow my mind. Yeah, we got a comment from Sarah. I was just about to read that. Oh, okay, go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, Sarah says, I worked there, I'm assuming McDonald's, and learned yes, skills she... skills that helped me get employed at better businesses, and now I'm in management at a major insurance company. So like you said, you can learn skills at just about any job. Any job you do you can has transferable skills, whether it's yep. – fast food work, whether it's um, lawn mowing or, you know, as, as long as you know how to, um, like, verbalize that into transferable skills. That's that's what a lot of right. people have when they go write a resume. I took resume writing classes getting out of the military. They, they gave, like, a getting out class, and um, one of them was how to write a resume and how yeah. to make what you did there look like tra- – not, I'm not saying they're lying, but actually – appear to be transferable skills. Like, how do you word this right. to to right. be beneficial to a company? So mm-hmm. if you if you know how to um, verbalize your, your skills as transferable skills, then, right. then you can sell go yourself. on and do it. Yeah, sell yourself is right. the biggest yeah. thing. Market yourself. So... Yeah, and that, and that is the biggest thing. And it really depends on... You will get out of your job whatever it is you want to get out of your job. Mm-hmm. And if you are there to learn and uh, increase your skill set and learn as much as you can about your job, you will be able to get a better job. Right. Like even if, if you you're just there to get, collect a paycheck, you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. You're not going to get a better job. Like even if you hate your job, you could you get as much as you can out. When I quit that job at Dish, I put in my two weeks, and my manager's like, "I had no idea." He's like, "And that that's my personality. I'm not going to." come to you and bitch all the time trying to get something to change. It's like, if you want me here, Mm -hmm. I'll say it maybe once. And if you don't change something, I'm going to go find something else. And so it's like, I had no idea. And it's just like, I I told him, I was like, Steve, I'm, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do a good job regardless of if I hate the job or not, I'm going to do it and and be beneficial to myself and Mm -hmm. and learn things, even if I hate it. And so uh, a lot of people don't get that. They're, they just see it as a nine to five bullshit yep. job, and they're just living hour to hour. Yeah. They're, they're eight right. hours and not getting anything out of it. Yeah, working working that day to day lifestyle in order to make sure that they you know have their bills covered and they can mm-hmm. eat and they can go out and party and do whatever it is that they prefer yeah. to do. Sure. And that's fine if that's what you want to do, but don't demand that you need more money right. because these are the decisions you are making in your life. Right. Right. And the way I've looked at it, you know, if you're in a field. You get to the top of your field. You don't just stay here and be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. It's like, no, right. I want to keep climbing that ladder and get to the top. Right, and that's what I was saying. If once you get to where you can't move up anymore, that's when you move on and find somewhere where you find can move avenues. up. Find other avenues. Don't find yourself stuck in a spot, mm-hmm. especially when you're later on in your years. Um, I know plenty of guys, when I worked it, I keep going back to Dish because – it's like the class, my my example of a shitty job. Uh, but there were guys there that put like 20 years in there. They were like 55 years old. They hated their job. But at that point, they're like, well, what am I going to go do now? This is yeah. all I've done my entire career. What I'm That's why you need to start when you're a little younger in years yeah. and 
constantly be bettering yourself so you can move on. You are at a spot where another job yeah. will take you. Yeah. Right. So um, so we covered landlords in the second half. We covered minimum wage in the second half. Right. Um, we covered uh, – A little bit of COVID. A little bit of COVID. We covered screwing over the poor people because yes. that's, that's <laughs> only yes. what libertarians like to do is screw over the communes. poor. Communes. We talked communes. Yes. Um, coming back to – libertarianism for we're about out of time here for the for the episode um give me your best sales pitch in like 20 seconds if you were to run into say like a hardcore socialist on the streets that might actually might actually for some reason listen to you for five seconds um give me your 20 20 second sales pitch for for libertarianism how would you convince this person the 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 elevator pitch for libertarianism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I want uh, I want uh, gay couples to be able to own their AK forty sevens and uh, grow marijuana in their backyard without fear of the government taking their money um, or their property. Um, and I think that you, as an individual, have the right to your property that you have collected over the years, whether that is land or if it's uh, just the clothing on your back. And I don't want to see anybody ever take that from you. Um, and I don't want to see you take that from anybody else either. I like it. I'm like convinced. It yeah. I don't know if a hardcore Marxist is going to be convinced because you hate rich, you hate the poor people, obviously. Right. So, and the only people that can fix poor people is the government. So, um, I like it. Um, like I said, we are about out of time, uh, and you pretty much said all the stuff that you, you've appealed to me being like anti-government. Like I've always found myself lately being more more on the anarchist side, just because government's done nothing really to benefit us in. Yeah. Ever really? So no, never. Yeah, and politicians yeah. do less than the government does. So, um, like I said, I'm apolitical as of within the last couple of years, and so that's kind of how I kind of fell into libertarian camp because more and more of them are more like anarchists, like small government or no government, like you say, and so, so I'm I'm sold on at least your brand of libertarianism. I know there's. A whole There's, spectrum of libertarianism out there. So, Spe- spectrum's the right word. Yes, exactly. So, so Matt, what what does the Libertarian Party need to do to overcome its obstacles? <laughs> Stop fighting with each other. Well, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, what the Libertarian Party needs to do is remember that it's a bottom up organization. It really comes down to the local uh, affiliates. Um, and they need to focus on getting people elected into your city councils and your uh, mm. uh, county commissions and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, because once you get people on your city councils and in mayorships and uh, those positions, people will begin to see that libertarianism works. Mm-hmm. And then those people can move up to be in your state houses and state senates or whatever you guys have been in iowa i don't know yeah (laughs) um and that is they need to stop yes you need to have a presidential candidate run but putting in so much money and time into a presidential candidate 
uh, waste a ton of money that can go to winnable races, winnable local races mm. uh, that will help convince people that libertarianism isn't about hating poor people mm-hmm. uh, and that the philosophy can work. Uh, especially on the local levels. Mm -hmm. And once people see it working on the local levels, uh, they can try it on the state levels. And once they see it working on state levels, they can try it nationally. Mm -hmm. And it's all about uh, giving power to the the local affiliates uh, and letting the local affiliates run their people and uh, giving them support when needed. Uh, It's not about handling issues with state affiliates. Um, It's about you know, trying to bolster the candidates that are running and making sure that the candidates that are running are uh, winning. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to get that message out. Sure. Yeah. No, I like that. I do too. We are out of time for the show though. Um, Matt, let everybody know where they can find more about you, find um, more about your two podcasts that you're part of, your media conglomerate that you're part of. Um, just, just, Just tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so uh, I am the co-owner and uh, founder of Muddied Waters Media, um, and you can find us on all social media or on muddiedwatersmedia.com. We have uh, four shows now. Uh, We've got Muddied Waters of Freedom on Tuesdays. We've got My Fellow Americans with Spike Cohen on Wednesdays, uh, The Writer's Block on Thursdays, and then on Sundays, uh, we just added a new show, which is the Cajun and S. Cajun Libertarian and Eskimo Libertarian from Bayous to Igloos, um, which is fantastic if you haven't had a chance to check it out. And they are hmm. Sundays at 3.30. All right. I'll have nice. to check that. That sounds very interesting. I'm intrigued, so I'm going to have yes. to check it out just because I'm intrigued and I have no idea where <laughs> that direction goes. So um, thanks for coming on, Matt. Um, it's been a pleasure to finally get you on. Like I said, it's Definitely. been we've been trying to work things out for a couple of months now and apparently you you claim to be busy with your four podcasts and stuff so <laughs> um so uh we really enjoyed the conversation um it was it was more of a kind of scratching the surface like like i said barney style libertarianism because when you get into like the libertarian pages that shit just goes right over my head because people are just like quoting these these philosophers of libertarianism and right. all this just like so and so said it's just like i have no idea what the hell you're even talking about mm, so right um it's nice to get somebody on that stands for this shit and then also can break it down to its simplest form so us normies can kind of understand it <laughs> so uh, my biggest recommendation is stay off the libertarian pages on I, I, Facebook. <laughs> I i found that out so yeah. um once again thanks for coming on check out matt yeah. all over social media matt we're gonna have to we'll definitely have you back on again sometime because this was Anytime. a great conversation so yeah definitely. um thanks again um uh, we'll we'll see you next time i'll hit you up later on sometime all right sounds good all right thank yeah, you all matt. very much i appreciate it yep all right everybody have a great week check us out next week on the live stream Mondays, every Monday, 7 Central Standard Time. Otherwise, we have our weekend wrap-up episode every weekend where we just cover the bullshit that's going on in the world. Have a great week, and again, just don't stop talking. Peace. Bye. The Break the Bell Podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back, because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and... Justin. A shout out to our sponsors, Goulash Media, On the Run with Remzo W. Martinez Podcast, and Van Zot Media. 
If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next time and let us continue to invade your ear holes and as always, never stop talking. <laughs>